Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody tonight. Hello. Hello. Good to see you all here tonight. And all of you folks out there on YouTube and our other platforms, it is a growing, growing IT ministry for which we are praising the Lord. Now tonight when the offering is received, don't forget our Nehemiah project along with our regular tithes and offerings, how important that is. We'll also have our praise and prayer requests at the end when we go offline. Thank you all of you who are viewing across the country and across the world. You pray for us and we sense the power of the prayer that God is answering in our behalf. Thank you so very, very, very much. Now, uh, tomorrow we have our Thursday Fellowship House Ministry. And if you'd like to join us, we'll talk about it after the service. 10.30 tomorrow morning is when we meet at Fellowship House. And Saturday, we want to be here at 9 a.m. sharp and clean and get everything ready. And Saturday uh, is a big day because right after that, at 10 o'clock, we're going to go in for devotions and our uh, charge orders. And um, we're going to take those charge orders. And I hope a record number... I hope you're included in that record, record number. We'll be going out on visitation, soul winning and visitation, 1,000 door hangers and many hundreds of tracks to be distributed as we fill America, fill Virginia, and already I believe the saints are cheering us on. And, and uh, so come on out Saturday. Bring the entire family because... We are going to tie right into a family-oriented activity for everybody in the church. Come at 10 or before, go visiting, then come back here, and Brother Gabe will see to it that there's enough Chick-fil-A to feed a mighty army. And we're going to feed you, and then there are going to be family-type activities and fellowship and fun for everybody. So come on out. Saturday, we've got people all across the country praying for that activity already. And uh, one, one good brother, you remember Brother Tom Rogers, who was the associate uh, years ago to Brother Owens uh, when this church was on Amasol. And um, Brother Owens, Brother Owens uh, said he is going to be praying for us. And he said... Um, I taught Brother Rogers said he's going to be praying for us, and Brother Rogers said that uh, that uh, he would come if and he could. Now that's uh, that's good Southern talk. If and he could, and I said, Brother Tom, don't you worry about it. You just pray where you are, and we'll eat your chicken. Amen and amen. So lots of folks praying for the success of this special ministry. Brother Tom, you've been passing out tracks this week, haven't you? Amen. How many of you have passed out a bunch of tracks already? We're going to break the record on tracks, I think. Praise the Lord. Door hangers, too. And then uh, Sunday, uh, we're going to have folks uh, coming together and having a great service morning and evening. And uh, very, very soon, we're going to be into the month of October, uh, a time for loyalty, faithfulness, uh, recommitment, missions, and our 50th anniversary on the 29th of October, even before then on the 21st of October is our big extravaganza, fall extravaganza for kids four years of age through 18 and several groups divided for uh, their own age application. Wonderful time. All of our workers will be involved in that on the 21st. But on the 29th, 
our 50th, excuse me, our 60th anniversary. What am I talking about? Our 60th anniversary as a church. Praise the Lord. 60 years of blessings. And in November, our care and share meal and our Christmas musical and caroling coming up in December, all of that. Now, between now and then, we have made our uh, final arrangements now, plans for Beverly Purdy Service of Memory. It will be a week from this Saturday, the 23rd of September at 1230. We will gather right here. Please come. Be here before 1230. There will be a pre-service with slides and meeting and greeting the family and friends. And at 1 o'clock, uh, a very, very meaningful service of memory for Beverly, who loved the Lord, loved this church, loved this preacher. And uh, we want to honor her memory. Going back a couple of weeks, I think it was on um, August the 20th, uh, we began in 2 Corinthians, um, and uh, excuse me, the 23rd, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we spoke on missions beginning with giving ourselves, giving ourselves. We followed that up uh, on August the 30th with a message on um, keep your mission vows. And then last week, we spoke on how to receive an offering the right way. And today we're going to continue in that vein. There are so many things uh, in the Word of God that we need to share. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, let's start there, Acts chapter 20, Paul is giving his farewell address to the Ephesian elders. And uh, he, says, he says this, in spite of all the things he's gone through, verse 24 of Acts 20, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. If you are serving the Lord, the next thing you want to do is be faithful until you finish strong. Finish your course strong. That's what Paul spoke about. We want to do that, don't we? Amen. Finish strong. And then he... He reviews the ministry, and he, he didn't shun to declare the truth, and he, and he was faithful, and uh, he, uh, as it says in verse number 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears, and, uh, and told them the truth, and he says in verse 33, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. And you almost have to say that even though his life spoke for itself, and ours does as well. It's important to be able to stand up and with a straight face and with the, with the um, a lie detector apparatus attached so that there is no fudging to be able to say, I have not coveted your gold, your silver, your apparel. I haven't taken anything that wasn't mine. I haven't done wrong in the area of material possessions. The man of God, the woman of God has to be absolutely 100% upright in that area. And I'm, I'm sorry to have to say that many of these uh, who are in the limelight today, celebrity preachers, can't say that. Uh, there is one preacher uh, in America who makes hundreds of millions of dollars, and I don't begrudge one penny of that, but I wonder where that comes from. Uh, where I have been in typical uh, congregations, uh, 
People give sacrificially and they do a wonderful job of supporting uh, the man of God and his family, but not to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. That doesn't seem right for some reason, does it? I, I believe way back when, the man who could have been the richest preacher to ever live, Billy Graham, established uh, a, a series of financial policies that enabled him to always have food on the table and a roof over his head, but not much more. And he was, and he was very, very glad to do that. And he was the one who initiated a, um, a set of, uh, a code, let's just call it that, a code uh, uh, that has been violated repeatedly by many celebrity preachers. Sorry to hear that. And perhaps some others that were not such celebrities. But I can honestly say, my hand on the Bible, I have coveted no man silver, gold, or apparel. Amen. God's enabled us to do that. It's important because when you keep it all in proper perspective, the preacher really needs to be able to set the example and set the pace for the congregation in areas such as soul winning, areas such as service for God, amen, and, um, and I would think also in the area of finances. If the pastor cannot do that, then uh, where are people going to get uh, their example to follow? It says in verse number 35 of Acts 20, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now the, the cause behind the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 that we have used as a pattern for faith promise giving, the cause was the poverty that had come upon the uh, New Testament Christians in the church at Jerusalem. The very first church had gone through hard times, and first of all, because of persecution. Secondly, we think, as other commentators have suggested, because they did not immediately disperse when they were commanded to go into all the world, that God used various uh, forms of persecution to get them to move, to get them to get going, and not all of them had. And so they were under poverty in extreme conditions, and now the Apostle Paul was receiving a faith promise offering from the churches of the Mediterranean area. Uh, and he, along with other faithful uh, representatives, were going to carry all of that money back to the poor folks at Jerusalem. We use this as a pattern for our faith promise. We pray and God tells us how much to give and then we give it and God supplies it. It's just that simple. How we give it is very important. We've talked about how to receive an offering. We've talked about giving of ourselves. We've talked about keeping our vows. We've talked uh, about um, all of those important aspects of giving. And now tonight, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to read the first seven verses and then pray. For as touching the ministering to the saints, now the word ministering means service or serving uh, the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. It's unnecessary. Uh, there's been enough discussion already. And perhaps we've talked about any subject uh, in this church enough. And when we have, the Lord will tell us that. For I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you, 
to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. So the poor folks that were up in Macedonia in the north give the pattern of giving out of their poverty even. And the folks of Achaia, which is Greece, that would be a little south of Macedonia, which would include the Corinthians, are stepping right into line. And how good is that to keep rank? It's very good. When God wants us to mark, uh, to, uh, to go forward in lockstep, we need to do that because it's right. It's the right way to go. When all of God's people are going the right way, we need to be going the right way. When folks are going the wrong way, we don't need to be going the wrong way. We need to go the right way, God's way. All right, so provoked many, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. So come on, guys. If you haven't given the full measure of your faith promise, now's the time to make it up and get it in the, get it in the offering basket or, or whatever receptacle because they're coming around, they're coming pretty soon. So get ready, get ready, lest happily if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. So he's, he's bragged on them. He said, well, they're going to be ready. I just know they're going to be ready. And sometimes we brag on you. And we don't ever want to be ashamed because... You don't go on visitation or you don't come to church or you don't show up when we've bragged on it. We've, we've told folks in many places what a great, wonderful church Central Baptist is. And we always want our bragging, our boasting in the Lord with regard to you folks to be true. So show up. Go soul winning. Come on. Get that, get that ministry rolling. Get that... Get that uh, Service for the Lord, those tracks passed out. Amen. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Not on the short end, but on the long end. But this I say, he, here's a principle. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. We're going to come back to that. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Let's pray. Father, fill me now with the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for those who are cheerful givers. I pray that you help us to sow bountifully and uh, not come up on the short end in any area of our Christian life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We talk about giving, giving. It's not just money. The preacher who preaches the whole counsel of God will say it this way. God wants us to give of our tithe, of our tithe, of our talent. Of our, of our treasure, our time, our tithe, our talent, our treasure. He wants us to give of all of these. And I want you to think about it. There are 168 hours in a week. And if we were to give just the basic tithe, that would be 16.8 hours per week. 
in dedicated service for the Lord. That's just a tithe. If we were to tithe of our talents, our abilities, and just give six, uh, just give ten uh, percent of these to God, totally dedicated to Him. If we were to to dedicate uh, of our treasure, our tithe, our talent, uh, all of that uh, according to the, the tithe principle, the 10% principle plus, why we would have lack of nothing. All the work of God would get done. Uh, these buses would be running. These classes would be filled. These pews would be filled. Uh, the offering plates would be overflowing if, in fact, we would do that. But the truth of the matter is this, and sadly so. While some give far more than the tithe, it's hard to get that out of all of God's people. And it belongs to God already. He says, back in Malachi, will we rob God? Yea, ye have robbed me in tithes and in offerings. The word rob is a serious word. I believe it was Brother Chris Phillips who pointed it out from this pulpit. He stood up and he said, there's a difference between being a thief and a robber. A thief is one, like a cat burglar, he waits till you're gone and when the lights are all off, he sneaks up and goes in the second story window and, 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 and takes the jewelry or takes the, the appliances or the computers or whatever that's there. That's a thief. But a robber gets some other kind of experience out of it. The robber waits in the alley until you're taking a shortcut and he steps out and he holds a gun and he holds you up. And he says, your money or your life, that's a robber. He confronts you. And the words that the Lord chose about those that withhold their giving, not a thief, but a robber. How audacious. How, how bold Christians are to rob when it comes to the matter of time, ability, money. All belongs to God, but we owe Him that 10% plus. And we need to be cheerful givers, not just should we be givers, but we should be cheerful givers. Here it says, according as He purposeth in His heart. There's a problem if we, if we give that tithe plus, if we serve with that tithe plus, if, uh, if we do every single week that 10% of our time, that 10% of our money, that 10% plus of our ability, and we do it begrudgingly, that doesn't count in terms of blessings. It may get us under the wire. Say, oh, you, you passed just barely passed the test, but your heart's not right. What does he want? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy might. We need to give our heart first. We need to give ourselves first. Think about it. How much mileage in shoe leather do we put on in a week? Is 10% of it telling people about Jesus? How much exercise and energy do we expend in a week? Is 10% of it for Jesus? How much skilled behavior 
talent, creativity do we expend in a week? Is 10% or more given to Jesus? How about the money? How about our value? How about our worth? How about our inheritance? How about uh, the uh, inflated value? Is 10% going to the Lord plus? If not, why not? And why is our spirit not right with God? I'm speaking to behavior and I'm speaking to attitudes tonight because this is absolutely essential. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver. If you got a little footnote in your center column, it might say hilarious because the Greek word is hilarion. And it, it means just that. A person who's giving without sitting down and working out, you know, to the third place out after the decimal, the amount to be given. I've noticed some people's personality is such that when there is a need, they just reach in, they grab a handful of, of bills, and they put it in the offering plate, or they put it in the cause. I remember some men's meeting. Some of you men will remember this. It came to our knowledge that a certain individual had been laid off, and uh, I asked the individual who begrudgingly told they didn't want it, but I said, how much, uh, how much does that represent? And it was like... Uh, $800 that was needed for that. I said, guys, I know some of you came with money in your pocket. Some of you, you know, maybe they didn't let you out of the house with any money. They don't trust you. But if you got it, let's give it. And, and money was given and IOUs were written and made good later. And more than $800 was raised in that men's meeting. Right there. That's called a hilarious giver. That's it. You can tell the same kind of attitude prevails when a person goes out to eat and they're trying to figure out how little they can get away with tipping the server. In some of those restaurants, that's about all the money, and I say all the money, that's about the, the lion's share of the money that the servers make is from tips. We understand that. I understand how it works. You say, well, I, already, I mean, we're already paying 50% more for a dinner now than we did uh, two years ago. I know that. I know that. But I also know the gasoline is up, and so getting to and from work is more expensive. And I know all of those things, all those factors that affect it. And so I'm going to be a hilarious giver. I am going to tip. I'm going to tip because that's somebody's son or daughter. And it doesn't matter. If they didn't get the order exactly right, we're going to tip extra. And if they're having a bad day, we're going to help them have a better day. And we're going to tip them. You say, what's that got to do with giving? Because I see a parallel between the attitudes. Some people are trying, I mean, uh, what was it that Brother Bill used to say out in uh, California? He said, some people are so tight, they squeeze that penny and the tears run down Lincoln's cheeks. And that's true. We need to be hilarious givers. And I, I love it that, that it's infectious. I love it that our son, Brett, sometimes we're talking to him on the phone and he's on his way somewhere and he, he might have the boys in the car or he might be on the way to work and uh, he says, excuse me, just a minute. And he'll, he'll put down the phone and you can hear him leaning out the window and he's passing a smiley face track that his dad wrote and it's got money in it 
and he's handing it to the, uh, to the panhandler on the corner. Here you go, bud. Read that. Amen. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver. That's it. That's it. I believe it's important for us to give, to give with abundance. I believe it's important for us to step up to what the Scripture's talking about. A lot of times people uh, are skinflints, and they're, they're not just thrifty. They're skinflints and tight. They're tight wads. And the reason they are is they'll say, well, I want to be a good steward. Now, in most cases, they're scared to death that the bottom's going to fall out of the economy. Now, let me tell you something. Your giving and my giving is not going to have a direct relationship to the bottom falling out of the economy. The bottom's going to fall out of the economy if a bunch of other people make a bunch of mistakes. All right? In the meantime, you say, well, maybe if I just save a little bit. If you save a little bit and that money's not worth anything, what was the good of being a skinflint or a tightwad? When it comes to the Lord especially, I believe it, it all works together. I believe it's all connected. Absolutely. We need to take that to heart and believe it. There are some other scriptures. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. It says in verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. There you have it. But in the living God. So who's going to keep you out of the poorhouse? The living God. Not you by your skill. It's going to be the living God. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, I like that, lay hold on eternal life. It does not mean, let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean that you're going to save your soul and have eternal life by your financial uh, generosity to those that are needy. That does not mean that. To lay hold on eternal life, it's, Eternal life is a present possession. Can I get an amen on that? If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you have to wait till later to be saved? No. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, that instant you are saved. It is your eternal life. But to lay hold on it means to have the full benefits thereof. I believe there's lots of skinflint, tightwad Christians that don't get the full benefit of being saved because they're living like their future is dependent upon their being a tightwad rather than being generous with the Lord and with others. And money, if nothing else, is provided, yes, as a stewardship, but even more than that, it is a thermometer of our spiritual attitude. And I hope we always have a warm spiritual attitude in our attitude uh, in our giving and uh, giving living, if uh, that is a good way of saying it. If you back up 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, you can always tell by the context uh, what the writer by inspiration is saying. And back there in verse number 12, Paul is telling Timothy, 
Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So there it is. Laying hold on eternal life is based upon our daily living. It is like a fight, a contest, a battle. Not in order to be saved or to stay saved, but in order to have the full benefits thereof. And I want, because it's so great salvation, I want to live like it's so great salvation. And I want to share like it's so great salvation. And just like they were taking care of those poor folks at Jerusalem, uh, we likewise are taking care of our missionaries and of our projects and doing what God has called us to do, and that is to be cheerful givers. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. And in verse number 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. I see in that uh, more than just an in inference that I might draw. I see plain language. Sometimes we've got to have some help to do right. When you start with your kids, you help them do right by you saying, this is your allowance. Now, I'm going to break that up. You're going to see that that dollar or that 50 cent piece is broken up so that you can tithe or double tithe it. So we're going to take that 50 cents and break it up so that I can give you 5 cents, which is one-tenth, and 5 cents, which is one-tenth, and that makes how much? 10 cents, which is one-fifth or 20%. And you're going to have 10 cents to put in that offering envelope. And you're going to double tithe. I'm going to help you to do that. And we're, it gives us a good feeling. Think about, let's look at the pictures on the missions cards of the missionaries that are going to benefit from this. And here you have the Smiths, and there you have the Joneses. And they're in Africa and Asia or wherever. And they're going to be able to, to give Bibles, to win souls, to have a church building, to have church services, to help the people that are needy, to do all those things. And your two nickels, your, your dime, is helping them to do that. Isn't that wonderful? Now, sometimes we need help. You say, well, does that work? Worked on me. That's what my parents used to do with me. And you know what? When we have the grandkids around and they do something that is worthy of some earnings, we help them too, don't we, sweetie? So that they can, I don't know how their parents exactly or precisely, but they've been brought up the way we were brought up. And that's it. So you help them to do that. Now, if I would do that for my kids, on an adult level, how much more important is that? We need to do that for ourselves. We need to do that for each other. We need to do that as a, as a pastor or a leader of a ministry and, uh, and exhort the people. How many times have you heard uh, Brother Gabe get up in front of the kids and say, now, we're going to have a Bible challenge to raise Bibles 
Beam's Bibles. And so who's going to win, the boys or the girls? And who usually wins, Brother Gabe? The girls. But the boys get challenged just the same. That's right. That's it. And that's a challenge. That's the way it needs to be done. In VBS, we got the buckets, and we've got the, you know, we're going to give to the missionary kid offering. And every penny of that goes to the missionary kids. And then it gets divided up between six or eight or ten different missionary kids. And it's, it's different every year when we have VBS. And they're challenged to do that. And they have fun. Don't you guys have fun doing it? Put the money in the buckets and see who's going to win, the boys or the girls. Amen. And wouldn't I be remiss if I didn't preach on that as well? We need to be generous. We need to be hilarious givers. We need to give regularly, systematically, but also over and above. And when we have those extra projects coming, we need to do that. Let me hasten to say, this church is very good and very responsive. Let me hasten to say, you out there that are viewing us online, you are very responsive. There are people who view from a distance and they treat this church as their own church and God bless you. I am thankful for you. I thank God every day for you. You have enabled this church to go through that period of time known as COVID when folks stayed away and you enabled this church to not miss a single missionary giving opportunity or to miss a single payment. We never fell behind in anything. Praise the Lord. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't give up. When you get to heaven, when I get to heaven, we'll have that mansion. And we won't even care about it then. We'll just be glad to be there. We'll be amazed that we got there by the grace of God. We got a mansion. We won't care about the street that's made out of pure gold. You can see right through it. I mean, it's so pure. Absolutely so pure. I think it was J. Vernon McGee that talked about how awful it would be if God let an unrepentant sinner into heaven. They'd be out of the New Jerusalem. They'd be tearing pieces of stuff out of the ground. And the angel would come along and say, why are you tearing up the pavement? That's just pavement. Street of gold, just pavement. But an unregenerated sinner would think of it in terms of gold. And they'd be greedy. And they'd be ripping the gold out. And they'd be trying to get the gems out of the, out of the uh, 12 foundations of the, of the city. And uh, I'm glad that we'll all be redeemed. And then at that point, we'll be perfect and we'll have no greed. We won't care how much gold's under our feet. And we won't care how big the mansion is. We won't care how glorious the, the walls and the foundations of the, of the city are. It'll be wonderful. Gates of pearl. Think of that. The whole gate made out of pearl. Wow. Fabulous. Fabulous. But we won't care. You know why? Because we will finally be perfect. In the meantime... Our goal is to be as much like the Lord by the grace of God as, as the virtue flows through us, as the power, uh, the life that's in Jesus Christ flows through us. And Jesus didn't care. Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. He didn't have a place to call his home down here. That was it. He didn't care about that. He'd come from heaven. He didn't care. 
He didn't care. We won't care either. In the meantime, as we're awaiting the rapture, when the change is going to take place in us, that's going to make us precisely like Jesus, we want to pray that we are as much like Jesus now by His grace as we can be so that the change isn't so big when the rapture takes place. Let me, let me tell you how we can come closer, nearer to that. Let's just be hilarious givers. Let's just give it all away. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth about being cheerful givers. Bless us now and help us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, that spoke to my heart. That blessed me. Put your hand up high. Come on. That spoke to my heart. Amen. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God? Dear God, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. We want him to come in our heart, take away our sins, take us to heaven when we die. Lord Jesus, we thank you now for this time in the Word. I pray that you'll make us givers uh, like you that so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son for us to be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Today.